Hi guys, welcome to another episode of ENN, and this is a special episode in the lead up to the release of the Snyder Cut on March 18th. We're going to be doing a weekly episode that's dedicated to all things DCEU slash Snyderverse. And in this first edition, uh, we're going to you know, discuss a couple of topics, news things, react to some things. I think it's going to be fun. So come one, come all. Tell your family, tell your friends and your frenemies that the film Exiles are back at it again. And joining me today are two road warriors into this journey in the cinematic wastelands. I am joined by Christian and Brandon. Hey, Christian, what it do? What's up, guys? I am uh, finally dug out of about two and a half feet of snow up here in New York. So, yeah, doing all right now. It's good to actually be able to uh, talk about some of this and, you know, see outside my house, which is nice. <laughs> That's good. Very nice. You've literally been chilling. Literally. Literally, literally been chilling, bro. <laughs> literally. All right. And coming at us from uh, a, a, a secret location. I can't confirm whether he's a superhero or a supervillain. It's Brandon. Hey, so like you said, Road Warrior, I'm here to witness. All right, <laughs> let's do it. So we have uh, a couple really nice topics uh, that we're going to uh, discuss today. Uh, Zack Snyder has been running his mouth. What you talking about, Zach? Um, and he's, he's given us like a bunch of insights into... His, his mood and his feelings concerning some controversial topics, also some behind-the-scenes things. Also, um, he released a picture of the Joker um, confirming, you know, what has been rumored and speculated that Jared Leto will feature in the Snyder Cut as the Joker. And also, the Snyder Cut got uh it's written from the mpaa and it's rated r so uh we're going to talk about these we're going to give you a deep dive and without further ado let's get right into it so zach snyder calls out the fakers who hated on justice league this is an article that's the cinema blend uh courtesy of sean o'connell who's the managing editor of the uh, entertainment news platform. He's also the author of the uh, book detailing the journey to release the Snyder Cut. The book is called Release the Snyder Cut, the crazy true story behind the fight that saved Zack Snyder's Justice League. Uh, so he interviewed Zack Snyder, and Zack Snyder had some things to say about the haters uh there's two major quotes and i'm gonna read them and uh we're gonna discuss them so the first one is uh goes like this zach snyder says i just think that's sour grapes in response to um a question about you know fans being called toxic he says there's really no other way to say it we know the people who are the architects of that narrative, and it's pretty obvious what their agenda is. Those are people that have been held back from confronting by wiser people in the room, because I'd love to get at some of these characters. Some direct conversation would be nice. Just to say, one, you don't know shit about what you're talking about, and we can break down everything they've ever said. I can make a list. There's a few of these guys where I could just get a list of everything they've ever said that they thought was right, and I could tell them every single thing they've said is wrong. So this is Zack Snyder talking about, you know, uh, all the people who have this little cottage industry of, you know, rumors and slandering and hating, and, you know, we all know the way the story goes, Um so I, I want to ask uh, Brandon specifically. Uh, we've we've not heard Zach, you know, elaborate on his feelings about you know the haters, especially the haters who are bloggers, 
what do you think about what he said? Um, I'd really like to know what you think, especially as someone who's been entrenched in the fandom for quite a while. Well, I mean, it's it's kind of refreshing to to hear Zach be able to to say that. Obviously, he's not on Twitter saying "come at me," but to be, I mean, coming out and just saying, "Look, yeah, I mean, you guys, you you built up this toxicity from the fans. It's it's you that have to to deal with it because this is your ch- this is your baby, but you've done it by by leading charge with uh, with lies and falsehoods. A lot of it set off by Warner Brothers and Jeff Johns and people that that didn't want this to exist, and then you wonder why the fans, who actually knew more than you, fought back, and then you fought them back. And it's you know it's it's really awesome for him to say that. And yeah, there's there's more than a few people like I'd love to get everything they've ever said and just be like you're fucking wrong. Uh, and it, I mean, there's not more much more you can say it other than yeah, it's 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 refreshing. It's it's awesome finally seeing him stand up for himself because he's legend, legendarily a, a, just a nice guy. He doesn't confront people um, as probably as often as he should, uh, considering the the moniker that he has, the the persona that people think that he's this this monster, but he's just the nicest, most gentle person. Uh, it's nice to see him finally go off. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I agree. I agree with what you said. Um, I think yeah, it's just it's just nice to to hear him, you know, say his piece. It, it wasn't especially fighting or it's not especially harsh on them. I to be honest, I feel like they deserve a lot worse than this. Yeah. Um, but also he deserves to be able to say his piece after so many years of taking all their shit and not responding even once. He never called anyone out by name. Um, he never even uh, name called. So I think it was it was actually pretty respectful and tasteful being that he is saying that, you know, they've basically been lying. Um, so that's that's quite, you know, interesting. Then... Um, there's also another another uh, comment, and in this one, he's talking about you know the whole narrative that you know the Snyder Cut wasn't real, and you know the the fandom is is toxic and all that sort of thing. So I want to get Christian's uh, take on this, and this is Zach's quote. He says, "And so, in what world do you have any credibility anywhere to anyone?" I would love the opportunity to just say to the world and to fandom in general who these fakers are and what should be done to them or with them. It's just a bunch of BS. In regards to that toxic fandom or it's a win for a toxic fandom again, in what world does this toxic fandom raise hundreds of thousands of dollars for suicide prevention? How is that toxic fandom? They've probably achieved more than any other fandom and done more good than any other fandom. So I don't understand. So this is, you know, about, you know, the the bloggers, you know, that came out and said, oh, you know, the static card getting released is a win for a toxic fandom. You know, the same people who said that, you know, the static card was was never real. So when you hear this, uh, Christian, what's your your take on it? Getting a sense that Zach has started to give zero fucks um that's that's number yeah. one um which is good because it's time to hear his side on all of this and his take but um one of the things because i'm a latecomer to the the fandom and to the movement in general is that one of the things i've always personally taken away from this is that a lot of this is about and for the fans and what the fandom what the cut movement did to make this happen what they had the mountains that they had to move in order to make it happen that he had to do, of course, as well and his team, but what you guys did to make it happen. And they've had his back. The fans have had his back from day one. And it's, it's a symbiotic relationship. And not only that, they were also able to turn it around and make money for a really important organization and a really great topic. And that's fantastic. So, you know, that can't, that should not be lost on people. Apparently it is lost in the conversation that everybody's happening, but it should not be lost on people. And the final thing I'll mention, because this this word for some reason triggers me, I'll be honest, it just triggers me. Toxic. 
that word is is driving me crazy lately because we can throw it around as a weapon anytime we want. And we we do need to remember something that yes, there are toxic fans in the Snyder Cut movement, but I will remind you that I am a big member of the MCU fandom and I'm a big member of the Star Wars fandom and we are horribly toxic not only to one another but to people that are outside our fandoms and we tend to gang up when you disagree with us so everybody can have that conversation that there's a toxic section of the fandom or whatever but typically they are minority they are a vocal minority but they are typically a minority and you are not rewarding any toxic side of the fandom by doing this if anything you are going to broaden everything that you were trying to do in the first place. You're getting that message out there. You're getting this man's creation out there. There are people across these different fandoms that I've spoken with and interacted with that want to see this friggin' thing. They want to see it. They want to enjoy it. They want to be a part of it. So I don't see that as giving in to whatever the fandom, whatever it is. I don't No, I don't see that at all. I see it as this is a win in many, many ways. We've all talked about it, so there's no reason for me to go into that much detail again. But it's a win in so many different ways. But I hate that word toxic gets thrown around a lot, and there's reasons to call people toxic, but mm -hmm. it, it, it's just so broad, and it's it could be used as this weapon, especially by the people that are trying to create a narrative. Yeah, And they could throw that weapon out to anybody that they want to and say, you know what, Lupe? You're fucking toxic. Yeah. Why? We disagree. That's all. <laughs> Mm -hmm. And one one thing that I find, especially with, you know, the people who create and peddle narratives is you have a, 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 a case of, you know, throwing stones and hiding hands. Yeah. They tend to, you know, start the toxicity. Then when they get a strong pushback, oh, the fans are toxic. Mm -hmm. Like, you know, there was a guy who made a video and in the video... He basically insinuated that Zack Snyder's visual style is Nazi-ish. Mm. Like, I'm not even exaggerating. Like, he, he, he broke it down. He said Zack Snyder's visual style is this visual style of Nazis. And, of course, fans went at him. Then he started saying that fans were being toxic. And it's like, what? Are you serious? You just <laughs> implied... That Zack Snyder, you, you associated Zack Snyder with Nazis. And people are giving you pushback. And now you're saying, oh, they're, they're, they're toxic. So that's part of, you know, the whole thing of weaponizing, you know, a word, you know, and labeling people just to suit your own agenda. People have disagreements. If you say something that's not nice about something that people love, you will get pushback for it. That's, yeah. that's life. Especially you... something like that where, like you said, it's almost like you're a slander at that point. Like if I – if we have a conversation and I say, OK, I'm not a fan of Sucker Punch because I don't like the style or whatever. I don't like the acting, whatever it might be, right? That's one thing. So we can have that conversation. If all of a sudden in that conversation I say, well, I think Zach is a misogynistic piece of shit and then you attack me for saying that, guess what? I was the toxic one. I said he was exactly. a misogynistic piece of shit. So, you know, you went, you defended rightfully so because what I said was off the reservation. But exactly. I could turn around and then make the art. I could, I could have my narrative which says, well, Lupe's toxic because, see, he attacked me. Exactly. <laughs> and and that's, that's pretty much the story of Zack Snyder fans slash DCEU fans and. Uh, bloggers and entertainment media and that's how they you know peddle these narratives that Snyder fans it's because Snyder fans will not let them get away with peddling false toxic narratives and that frustrates them to no end you know um so it's just it's it's great to hear Zach you know speak his piece and um let's move on to the next piece and it's even more comments, and, and they're also from uh, Sean's book. And this one goes into, like, behind-the-scenes uh, stuff that we never got to know. Like, his meetings with WB, like, the whole innards of getting the Snyder Cut released from the hands of the studio. And this one is on uh, thedirect.com. It's an article called justice league hbo max was concerned about snyder cut outcry on sesame 
Street <laughs> Tweets, which is a very, very funny title. And um, we're, we're going to go we're going to go into it. So the first one is about the tactics of the Snyder Cut campaign and the Snyder Cut movement. And I want Christian to start off uh, this one. So Zack Snyder recalls, um, you know, when HBO Max would, you know, tweet, you know, in promotion of Sesame Street. And he said their websites, their Twitter, their everything, they were paralyzed. They were literally paralyzed. They could make no release. They could talk about nothing. I was talking to an unnamed executive who said that HBO Max would tweet something about Sesame Street and people would be like, fuck Elmo, release the Snyder Cut. <laughs> that was the world they lived in. And they were like, Jesus Christ, what are we supposed to do? We can't even fu function. And Zack Snyder described it as, that's pretty rad. Um, so Christian, what do you what do you think of this sort of perspective on what it was like the you know the receiving end of of the campaign tactics of the Snyder Cup fandom? Um, remember a couple episodes back, we, what did we say? Just do something, release the goddamn cut. Like it was yep. just. I mean, if that's what you were seeing, hire better social media people. I don't know, hire better marketing people. Seriously, like read the room, man. <laughs> like it's just just read the room and a smart company would turn around and say hmm how do i monetize that i think mm -hmm. i can make some money off of this thing stupid mm -hmm. stupid like i mm -hmm. i really you know what i should shut up because i don't really know if there's anything else that i can add to that like read the room bro like, <laughs> like what the hell like you you're you're getting this is not like this was so totally different than like a Rotten Tomatoes where like people just like bomb a movie, right? It's not like it, it was mm -hmm. different because, you know, hate bombing is kind of funny and, uh, you know, people can kind of see through that. But this was a passionate response. And I've, yeah. I've often said it was like, listen to us, damn it. Yeah, screaming like I've said this to you. You know, I think we've all said this. We talked like years ago, there would have been a letter writing campaign. Well, that mm -hmm. technology is behind us. This is the letter writing campaign. Shit. We did letter writing campaigns as well. Well, there you go. Yeah. showed up at work one day with 10,000 letters on her yeah. desk. Yeah. Brandon, chime in, because if you remember, there was a segment of the DCEU fandom that were trying to peddle the narrative that, uh, not well, just the DCEU well, fandom, also, if you remember, bloggers, some bloggers, Umberto specifically, were saying that it was harassment and it was bullying. Um, so Brandon, you know, in light of hearing Zack Snyder's take on it, obviously, I don't know whether you believe that the ends justify the means, um, and just seeing how paralyzed they were and how effective it was. What's your, your thought process? I mean, just the hearing it in general is just, it's fucking awesome, mm -hmm. uh, to know that the, the entire studio was paralyzed. By our relentless efforts, and 99, 99 to 95% of it was people just saying, hey, release the Snyder Cut. Mm -hmm. And most of it was was completely non-toxic. You'd have one person that will, would say, release the Snyder Cut, or I'm going to gut you. It's like, <laughs> <laughs> you know, one out of 100 is, is like, really? And that's the one you guys are listening to. But just that their entire social media network was was disrupted and one that they didn't learn about the block feature and two <laughs> that you never in history has has a group of people come together and attempted to throw so much money at a studio mm -hmm. they they spend millions of dollars every year on focus groups and test screenings and mm -hmm. and all this to get inside the mind of the customer and we're literally laying it bare to them this is what we want this mm -hmm. is what we're willing to pay for and they're like no, mm -hmm. like we we have it. We we're not going to give it to you. Mm -hmm. uh, like it's just it's incredible that we right. overcame that. Yeah, to where they said no, and we're like, that's not an acceptable answer to us. Answer, yeah, I think and it's I just think it's, kept on going. I'm going, yeah. I, I think it's it's it just goes to to show how intelligent as a as a collective as a hive mind. The fandom was and how like over years it's kind of it's it's like so interesting how we trained each other to think like a hive mind 
you know, over years of, you know, observing, you know, the trends, seeing what works, what doesn't work, and knowing, you know, when to act. It reminds me of, you know, Hong Kong, they had a some civil uprising, you know, to expand the freedoms of the citizens and their uh, their civil uprisings are have become stuff of legend because of how organized they were. For usually when you have protests and riots, it's usually very uh, uncoordinated because obviously it's just, it's crazy, but they were so smart in the way they would, you know, signal each other and move together and coordinate their efforts. And, and that just reminds me of how, you know, you have thousands of people all over the globe with, you know, different mindsets, but we're able to come together to do things like this. And it's just, it's it's amazing to see how a, a, a bunch of non-professionals were able to thwart a whole entire massive studio that has like over like a hundred years of of experience with marketing and customers and it's just it's 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 really it's really amazing like i always say this the snyder cup movement it's it's more power to the people all the time like it's this this is not just about the snyder fandom and that's what people outside the fandom don't realize this is a win for fandoms everywhere that's what people should see it as yeah it's it really is and when you we've seen other movements come and go pretty quickly while we were in our fight you had the the dark phoenix one which i would still love to see uh you've had you know the fantastic four one released the the jj cut all that just fizzles away, and the difference is we didn't. No matter how how often we were told to stop, we didn't. You, you keep on trucking on, and you find out what works, what doesn't work, and yep. then you start pushing those buttons. And when you hit yep. a million tweets in one day, it's not just the studio that gets it. They start getting calls from outside the studio saying, from outside, what is yeah. going on? People ask them everywhere. Like, what, why is like, there an airplane yeah. flying over your building right now? Yeah. It just has a sign. We're not bombing it, but it literally became a pop culture <laughs> phenomenon. Let's, yeah, let's discuss more because we're going to go into into more more of that. So yeah. let's not the gun. Yeah. Uh, so uh, Zach also spoke about, as you were about to allude to, you know, more more efforts by by the campaign. He talked about <clears throat> what the movement was able to do at Comic Con 2019. Uh, he says it was during, uh, I think, 2019's Comic-Con where there was an article written that said the biggest Warner Brothers DC presence at Comic-Con this year for a movie is one that, they've ne- that they never released. And he said, holy shit, that's amazing. Um, so, B- Brandon, you know, you're, you've been part of the inner circle of organizing um, events and organizing campaigns and all these activations. So, can you speak towards the Comic Con <clears throat> 2019 <clears throat> efforts and and how uh, the fandom was able to eclipse uh, the studio itself? Well, it, the the studio didn't have the the control they didn't have normally. They didn't have the safety blanket. Of the bloggers, we started finding out as we went to Comic Cons and had our foot soldiers out there holding up signs and wearing t shirts. People actually really liked us. You didn't have people taking the signs and ripping them away and stomping on them. Yet people wanted to take pictures with the, the release the Snyder Cut group. We didn't have to stand up at panels and scream, We wanted the Snyder Cut. We were just there. And then you do something as big as putting a, a billboard in Times Square. And again, what what you get isn't just a couple of calls. You get newspaper articles and you get investors calling into the studio saying, what, what is this happening? Why are, why are you guys not putting this out? The fans are begging for it. Mm-hmm. Um, this, the New York Comic Con was, was a really, really awesome event. Mm-hmm. Um, specifically that one, just because we had that Times Square billboard mm-hmm. and then that the bus station 
billboards that were awesome and they were just so well animated mm. and designed by by Chris Dawson and Ramesh and uh mm-hmm. and uh, Dr. Chris they were, I mean just everybody put everything into those mm-hmm. and it was apparent that we were no longer this ragtag group of basement dwellers that everybody thought that we were we weren't hobbits we were yeah. elves yeah. and we were well well organized and we had some talent behind it all um and it, it just we hit a professionalism and again the articles were were everything because yeah. that's what they see is you know that this movie is the biggest presence is yeah, from something that wasn't even there agreed 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 um yeah that's 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 just incredible um moving on he also spoke to like i I guess he had some meetings with the studio where they debated you know about you know he made some presentations as to why they should and christian christian i'd love to hear your take on this so this is what zach snyder says about those meetings he went to the to the meetings and presented and said we did all the analytics and when we went in to talk to Warner Brothers about possibly releasing the movie, I said to them in the boardroom, you realize, I don't know if you're aware of it, but the biggest, the most volume for any social media campaign for any Warner Brothers movie ever is for a movie you guys have never released. The most tweets, the most social media impressions in the history of Warner Brothers is for a film that you guys don't have out. And he said, at that stage in time, they had no intention of releasing. And Zack Snyder goes on to say, in what world is that okay? In what world does the business model support this point of view? It just seems insane. And, you know, apparently that did not fall on deaf ears. And he went on to say that uh, when he made, you know, his case, they would argue that it's a vocal minority. So Snyder said, but it's a hard thing to argue with. They would say things like, well, it's just a vocal minority. It's just a small amount of people. I'm like, okay, fair enough. If that's what you want to say. But if that's true, and it's not that big of a deal, how come you guys, a giant media corp, cannot generate the same number of social media impressions as this vocal grassroots minority that aren't that big of a deal? So Christian, what do you have to say in in response to these comments from Snyder, this whole back and forth what's happening with the studio and then them giving all these excuses and as as you famously the the phrase you famously coined shit or get off the pot um they just they just sat on it and just wouldn't move and were given these flimsy excuses um what's your reaction to these quotes they were definitely sitting on the pot and not shitting. I mean, that that's definitely <laughs> true. I, it's it, And, you know, you read that last quote where he said, hey, how come you guys couldn't generate the buzz and blah, blah, Like, when I read that, my first impression was, ooh, you know, like shots fired. Um, but uh, he, because you, you know, I, and he's right, by the way. And, you know, I, my, my little take on this is, you guys might be surprised to hear this, but Lupe's been, you know, he's been asking me over the last bunch of episodes, like, you know, what's the... What's, you know, your friends in the Marvel fandom and stuff like that? What's the, been their take on this for a while? And I keep telling you guys, and I mean it from the bottom of my heart, there was not as much hate out there from that side of the fandom and, and a lot of these fan groups as you guys were led to believe. You were told by the bloggers and by a bunch of other people that everyone hated it. Nobody wanted it. It was you guys only. Now, the rest of us are getting the spoils of your war. I've said that before, mm-hmm. and I truly believe that. But read the room, as I said at the beginning. Like, not everybody that tweeted out released the Snyder Cut when I was browsing through Twitter over the last couple of years and everybody was this rabid Snyder fan. There were a bunch of people that were like, hey, Warner Brothers, I want to see this shit. Release the <laughs> Snyder Cut. Like, it, all you had to do was hire a freaking credible team that knew what the hell that they were doing and stop digging your feet into the sand, just digging your heels in and just release it. That's all you had to do, because if they stopped listening to the people that were creating that narrative against what was going on, you would have seen that there were comic book fans. There were Marvel fans. There were DC fans. All these people that were like, yeah, bro, I want to see it. Just, just mm-hmm. release it. and I'll give you here's my money. Take it. Mm-hmm. They would have done it. Mm-hmm. It's 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 pretty amazing. It's incredible to me that they were that 
blind that whatever is stubborn, whatever the word is that well, you, you want to use, you want to say that it was people like John's behind the scenes, whatever, but they were, they were digging in that hard. I just repeat what I said at the beginning, read the room. I, I don't, I think, I think one of my favorite moments was on November 17th of 2019 when we were, I mean, we were hitting it pretty hard and, mm-hmm. uh, Yaya Abdul-Mateen uh, tweeted it. He's like, you know what? This was before me that I, I was in Aquaman after all this happened. I yeah. don't know anything about it. He's like, but the passion of the fans is hard to ignore. Yeah. So really, how about we, we, we just release that Snyder cut? Like, yeah. I want to know about it now. <laughs> that, that it's day, like, that's cool. That no, November, it just because the passion was just, it was so contagious. Like, everyone was tweeting. It was so funny. Everybody was like, what is go? What is release the Snyder cut? Just whatever it is, just release it. <laughs> Please. Can I get my Twitter feedback? <laughs> yeah, like, we hijacked all of Twitter that day. Just, just release it. I mean, it's it's pretty, it's pretty amazing what what the fandom uh, was able to do, and that's why everyone who looks at this logically and rationally can tell that there is an irrationality and yep. an illogicality that's going on at the heart of why it wasn't released and. Um, I think Grace Randolph, it wasn't Grace Randolph, uh, who alluded to it? Um, someone recently said something about it, about how, um, I can't remember who it was, but somebody, okay, it was, it was Robert Meyer Burnett. And he said something that he had, you know, he'd heard some things and had some communications with someone who works over Warner Brothers and that Toby Emmerich never wanted it to be released. Because it's going to make him look bad. It's going to make him look awful. Because basically when it comes out, everyone who sees it is going to say whoever was at the head of Warner Brothers at that time is a fucking idiot. Completely you ever go to a party and somebody passes out and wakes up with a bunch of drawings of dicks on their face? That's about to be Toby. That's exactly, that's exactly what's... Like, like, he's, everybody's pointing and laughing because there's a dick across his face, but yeah. he's not going to understand why. It's it's a that's exactly what's going. It's it's going to be on Toby Emmerich and Walter Armada and Jeff Johns. It's going to be on their head. But the the thing about it is that they 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 they've been very idiotic about this. This is such an easy thing to take and make into your own win. Like, just take credit for it, you know? Take credit for releasing the Snyder Cut. Be the people's hero. The, be the people's champion. Be the people's savior. You're the one that destroyed... Like, be like Lex Luthor. That's why I love Lex Luthor so much, and he's one of my favorite villains. Lex Luthor will destroy everything. He'll be the one that set up, you know, Superman, and, you know, then there was destruction in the city, and lives were lost. Then he comes over and says, you know what, I'm going to clean everything up. Because I'm going to save everyone. That's exactly all that they needed to do. But they're just too, too, too stupid and too egotistical and too fearful to yeah, make the it's right. All ego. Yeah, and ego's the right. This word. is going to open so many doors. And this is a side note, but so many studios, when this hits big, are going to hop into their vault and see what they can find for director's cuts that they didn't think anybody wanted. Anybody? Yeah, but but it's I just say going to go in there. Time, at the same time, let's not forget that the Snyder Cut fandom is very important to this. Like a lot of all these other studios don't have, yeah, that's fandom. Like this, they, this, they, they won't have that support, but they'll hop on on that train if we allow them. Because guess what? I'll watch about any director's cut you throw yeah, in yeah, front no, of but, me. Yeah, it's but, actually a director's cut. Yeah, but but this fandom is pretty insane. Oh, yeah. because We've done the mark like this. Companies spend millions on marketing, literally millions and millions upon millions. We've done all their marketing for free, mm-hmm. zero marketing commitment. Well, technically, we probably put one point one million dollars in because apparently <laughs> they're trying to tank the movie. We're still doing it for free. We're still getting the word out, still keeping it buzzing and alive and 
in in the in the pop culture conversation. Mm-hmm. So I mean, this fandom is pretty freaking unique and amazing. The only other fandom that I've seen rival us, but talking about you know fandoms that come and go is the Alita fandom. Mm-hmm. They had a lot of passion. They had a lot of fire, but recently. I have not seen or heard from them. I've seen it burn out a little bit. It's kind of fizzled. It's kind of fizzled out a little bit, but they may relax a little bit with with Robert Rodriguez saying that there's hope. Yeah, and then you know Disney really kind of starting to make some moves with TV shows. If they see that it's there, they'll go for it. But yeah, yes. they have quite it down. Yes. But guess what? I mean, we learned a bunch, and uh, you know the partnership with the Alita Army was awesome. Mm-hmm. They yeah. were always there to have our backs, and we were there for theirs. Okay. Yeah. Um, and guess what? I, I still refer to them. When the Snyder Cut hits 4K Blu-ray, I'm going to buy 10 copies and leaving them on people's windshields. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And I'm doing that. And that, uh, the Elite Army, just they cleared shelves to prove that, that they could pay for this movie, that, that they'll be there for the next one. And that's mm-hmm. awesome. So you're right that they... They were probably the closest that we've come, and they didn't have to pay celebrities for their support. Yes, they didn't. Um, so those those are the two articles. I think that they're they're pretty good. I think Snyder ends up the, the ends the article with basically like a, a huge slam dunk on the studio. You know, he says, you know, if it's just a handful of people, you should have them working for you because they're unbelievable at their jobs, at their hobby, actually, because none of them. Are getting paid for it, yep. and that's that's a good note to end. Uh, hey, Lupe. On. Yeah, what up? Before you before you move on to the next topic, I just wanted to hear what you got. Not to drag this out any longer, mm-hmm. but did you notice at the bottom of the direct article they made a they made a damn sure to have a little paragraph down there that saying fans weren't the deciding factor that it was the COVID nineteen <laughs> pandemic. Did you guys see that? That they made no, damn I- sure to say that it was the pandemic that was the true deciding factor. It, that's what they had at the bottom of the article. Just interesting note. Yeah. I, I yes. just, no, know. it's it's like I like it's as as Zach Snyder said, it's, it's sour brand. grapes. It's yeah. sour grapes. Yeah. At this point. It's sour grapes. Um like we we know the real story. Now the thing about it is this is that you can make that argument, but that argument doesn't see the bigger picture. And this mm-hmm. is the bigger picture. The reason why it might not have come out. It, it, it wasn't the pandemic. It wasn't. It was HBO Max first. So it's not even the pandemic. So that's just wrong, period. It was yeah. HBO Max. Yeah. You can make the argument that the Snyder Cup wouldn't have come out if not for HBO Max. However... That's a legit, yeah, that's a legit it, argument. However, my thinking when we're campaigning for the Snyder Cup was that it would come out when Toby Emmerich gets fired. Hmm. Because I knew that Toby Emmerich and Walter Hermada were not going to release it for the reasons we've we've talked about. Right. For them, it's personal. Mm-hmm. Toby Emmerich destroyed that movie. And the fact that there is evidence of his failure and people want evidence of his failure to come to light, which put his job in jeopardy, which would be a stain on his reputation... Self-preservation, baby. He's not going to release it. <laughs> However, the 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 core directive of the campaign was this: to put so much pressure, to make so much noise that him ignoring it would be a failure on his part. So he was between a rock and a hard place. As far as I was concerned, he was going to get fired sooner or later. Then HBO yeah. Max comes around, and HBO Max usurps them because they needed content and AT&T had made them a priority. So in terms of the pecking order, HBO Max had more muscle than Emirates. And as far as I'm hearing, they'd actually been having conversations with, with Emirates and he was, you know, being resistant and making excuses. But once that uh, December 17th, November 17th uh, event happened, there was no more excuse that he could give mm-hmm. to them. You know, there were no more excuses. So he had right. to relent right. and he had to call up Zach Snyder and say, you know what? Like, it's a thing. Like, it's going to happen. However, HBO Max would not have wanted the Snyder Cut if not for the Snyder fans. And the head of HBO Max himself said so. 
he said that they were thrilled with the fan activity that they kept on. Basically, this is this is the the analogy that I use. Basically, we were trying to woo and trying to you know date WB, but HBO Max was the girl on the side who was making eyes at us like, come on, like give us a chance, like. Like she wasn't saying anything, but she had a crush on us. And then at the end of the day, she elbowed WB out of the way and was like, give him to me. You know? <laughs> so that's pretty much exactly how it happened. HBO Max had their eye on us. They had been seeing our activity. Also, we had, you know, you know, talked to them. We had campaigned them, but they had been eyeing us and being like, wow, these guys are like pretty freaking amazing. Right. And once, like you know, let's take HBO Max. So it wouldn't have happened if not for yeah. the fans. Oh, I agree. I was just wondering. Yeah, yeah the, the fans are fifty percent of the entire equation. Um, once HBO Max was announced, not like out, not released, but announced, it be to me became a hundred percent clear that that was our path to victory because they needed content and they wanted it fast. Um, and we had a movie that was 95% complete that would, I mean, we would have taken it in an incomplete state, to be honest. Oh, yeah. That's what a lot of people, a lot of people would say, oh, you know, oh, the Snyder Cut was not complete, blah, 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 blah. Snyder fans were saying, give us a 60% complete movie. Yeah, it would have we, 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 we finished it ourselves. Yeah, mm-hmm. it would be better than the trash we've done in theaters. I can tell you but, that. You'd appreciate it more. But we knew it was more than that. It, I mean, we we had more than enough proof that it was nearly complete. Not much work was going to be needed. There was articles uh, that that stated it's out there. It was just it became a no brainer. HBO Max was going to be the way, and then hopefully a theatrical run would have been possible. But HBO Max was going to be the easy win. November seventeenth was the day that it was won. That was the battle. There was little skirmishes after, but the battle was won on November 17th, and the pandemic wasn't a thing yet. The pandemic added gravy on top to make it make sense. We have a movie that doesn't need to be shot, that is almost done, that we can put far less into than any other big-budget movie. And what we can do is we can keep these visual effects houses going, so we have a charity aspect. We have a business aspect. We have a fan aspect. We have artistic freedom aspect. There's so many things. COVID was was rounding third base and coming home when the guy in the outfield slipped. Anyway, it was it was there. And it made sense, um, and it just made it look even sweeter because you know a lot of those houses weren't going to be getting work this year. As a matter of fact, COVID almost derailed it. At yeah. first, after yeah, at first it. COVID was actually going to be something that stopped it until they repurposed their argument. They repurposed, you know, the way they framed the outlook on the Snyder Cup by saying, hey, look, everything has stopped, but we can do VFX and post-production from home. And this is going to employ a lot of people who we're we're in business with, um, who are part of our industry, parts of our industry. production you know chain so um yeah the that's just wrong it's just it's 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 a blatantly wrong take from someone who is not very knowledgeable about the material as we are but that's why you listen to enn so you can get the real the real all right so let's move on to our next topic, and we're going to have a fun one discussing a bit of a, I call it a fake outrage about the uh, rating for the Snyder Cut. So, I mean, Zack Snyder had already guessed um, from his you know, experience, you know, going through the process of the MPAA was going to uh, come back and issue the film and R rating and get an R rating for some scenes of violence and some foul language. And I think if I remember correctly, Zack Snyder did say that uh, the Batman says the F bomb two times. I think, I think it's exactly two times. And then from what I've seen, the, the action is quite visceral, um, much to my delight. I like that dark and gritty stuff. Um, and obviously 
nerds and Twitter, people started complaining. People saying, oh, what about the kids? Oh, my God. Kids can't watch it. Oh, my goodness. It's Justice League. How can it be R-rated? And, Fucking kids. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah, what do you guys think about the, the whole outrage about it being R-rated? What do you think about it being R-rated? Is that a good thing or a bad thing? Or What do you think? Um, you want me to start? I'll, I'll yeah, get, cool. uh, just stop, people. Just, just stop. I mean, it, 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 you know, the thing about the R rating is like, I love this topic, so I could go on forever, and I won't because we don't have that kind of time. So I'll try to keep it short. But it, it's what it symbolizes more than the content in the movie because we've the three of us have watched PG thirteen movies that are like masterpieces, and we've watched R rated movies that are utter trash. And mm-hmm. I go back to when Mangold was making Logan. And they were interviewing him in a couple things. And, you know, he was going on about he didn't like, you know, franchises. He didn't want to be episode five and a 10 episode thing, whatever. But when they asked him specifically about the R rating, he said, look, he was like, in a nutshell, I don't have his exact quote, but in a nutshell, paraphrasing, he was like, yes, I got a guy with claws coming out of his arms and I want that visceral action. I want to be able to have him slicing people's limbs off and I need to see the blood coming out of his hands. I want to talk about this man who's breaking down. However, the R rating gives me an opportunity to step out of the PG-13 family-oriented whatever to get to make a billion dollars at the box office and I can tell the story that I want to tell. Mm-hmm. The studio has told me I can make Logan. This is a standalone movie. You want to kill him? You kill him. You want to kill Professor X? You kill him. You do whatever you want to do because well, you have carte blanche to do that in this movie. And he did. So mm-hmm. now Deadpool was a different scenario. You know, it was, but same thing. Carte blanche, do whatever the hell you want. They did it to be crude perfectly fine it was funny it worked out well but i think that's the key here is that there he's made the movie it's getting released and the r rating not so batman could say the f word and maybe there's a little piece of zach that wants to be like hey fuck you guys i'm gonna do what i want that's fine if he wants to do that after everything he's experienced but it's more he doesn't strike me as that type of filmmaker he's always struck me as the type of filmmaker that's if he's gonna do something i might not agree with the reason but there is a reason behind it mm-hmm. you know what i'm saying so mm-hmm. that that's my take the r rating gives him the opportunity to piece together what he wanted to piece together like Mangold did in Logan. And if that's the case, I'm a hundred percent behind it. And these people got to stop with this shit really. Cause now you're just complaining. Cause you want to complain. That, that's it. You know, Brandon, what do you think? Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's R rated more for the story and that, I mean, it, that should always be first and foremost. It's not that it's, it's not striptease or, Showgirls. It's it's not trying to be vulgar. It's just it's trying to tell a more adult story, and that yeah, that fits into an R rating. But here's the thing about the R rating: BVS is is rated R in the ultimate mm-hmm. cut. Right. Yeah, it's a hard PG thirteen. Um, yeah, it's pretty boring. You could put some fog on the glass and cover Ben Affleck's butt, and it'd be PG thirteen. <laughs> like. It, it doesn't really deserve it. It's got one F word, and it's in a non-vulgar way. You can't say the F word in a way that's sexual, and that's what that's what draws the line. But the violence wasn't really ultra-violent. They probably could have resubmitted it to the MPAA a couple of times and gotten the PG-13 as it says. In this case, it's made probably to be a hard PG-13. I'm sure people get hacked in half by Steppenwolf. But I'm sure there's not blood splatter all over the place. It's not a slasher movie. Mm-hmm. But I, do, I just don't think, I think they probably submitted it the one time they got the R rating and they said, it's streaming. We don't need to go through and clip two seconds here, four seconds there. That's a big Let's key. Just, it's just, it is what it is because we don't need to, to go to an audience. We don't need movie theaters to be happy on this. It is what it is. Um, and it's not going to be a hard rated R. It's going to be a hard PG-13. Mm-hmm. It was just enough to be rated R, but not enough for them to care to go and change it. Right. Um, yeah. And that's the way that I see it. My dad showed me True Lies and Terminator 2. My dad edited Titanic. So stop it with your, I can't yeah. let my 10-year-old see this movie. <laughs> exactly. You can watch it once. Yeah, watch it once. Go buy your little, you know, Christian editing boxes that that bleeps out the f word for Batman, 
and and move on with your life. It's uh, it's not going to be where your kid outrage. can't see it. It's fake outrage. It's just something else for them to yeah. complain about. Just picking and at something so to I, get at it. When you think about it, and I, I think it was what Stuntman Mike on Twitter uh, that said it the other day. It's like, can you believe that we are getting a four-hour epic Lord of the Rings-style rated R Justice League movie? All those things just made me a little bit harder. Like that's just that's awesome. It's just crazy. a statement to hear. Like, Four-hour epic Lord of the Rings-style rated R Justice League movie. There is nothing, yes. There is nothing about this movie that sounds ordinary or plausible in almost any universe. It's a release of a film that was butchered by fans it's r-rated justice league that's like lord of the rings style epic that's four hours i mean i don't i don't understand how anyone is not even just curious about it it's 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 the most bizarre movie in comic book movies ever it really is and it's only right that Zack snyder would film because he has been one of the most bizarre figures in terms of just doing his own thing and being this auteur who is I've I've always said he thinks like an indie like a weird indie filmmaker you know Darren Aronofsky type you know David Fincher type of mind but then he's making popcorn movies and blockbusts and that juxtaposition is something that excites me and to be sincere thinking about it it's something that i've always you know been a fan of everywhere in life you know the 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 mixture of high and low culture and um i think that it's it just makes it so fascinating and i it baffles me how people have just bought into the hate so much that they just go off on these really weird, strange tangents, and it's uh, it's 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 just it's hilarious to see. For me, the R rate, and it doesn't make me say, "Oh, it's going to be ooh edgy," or it just shows it's further proof that he just made the film he wanted to make, and he didn't care. Mm-hmm. And that that to me, that is that's what I want. That's to me. That's the height of art. To me, that's the that's the most pure, absolute distillation of art. When an artist is like, "I did this because I wanted to do it. It's coming from me. It's not, you know, a focus group said we should cut it. We should do it. A studio executive said we should do it this other way. No, it's just as his." His, it's his thing. So where that's was this outrage last week when they said the Suicide Squad was rated R, or last year, earlier last year when Birds of Prey was rated R, even though it barely deserved to be? Nobody complained at all, but all of a sudden, Good. Zack Snyder's Justice League that's going direct to streaming is rated R, and everybody loses their minds. And it's, they'll say, "Oh, it's because it's Justice League," and it's like, "Have you never read a Justice League comic? Read any Justice League comic with like Dark Side or like." Like characters died, like streets are littered with corpses. It's well, that was my problem with like Ragnarok, is they turned a, a movie about genocide into a, a slapstick buddy comedy. That's to me, that's not representing what's happening. This is an adult story, and it's it's telling the story of the end of the world, and there should be some stakes. And I think rated R makes that a little bit more yeah. achievable. Absolutely. Um, but pushing that PG-13 ba- boundary is all of it. It's just that they're not going to break it up with jokes every other scene to make you feel like it's going to be okay. Because there might be some moments yeah. where you're like, this shit's not going to be okay. Yeah. And you know what's not going to be okay? The Joker. The Joker is never okay. <laughs> so Not bad. Um, not bad. Okay. <laughs> so... Uh, we're gonna react to like a pretty cool like reveal. Um, Zach posted a black and white, blurred out picture of uh, Jared Leto as a Joker in a Snyder cut. That's just just saying those words. 
it's just is it's absolutely bat shit crazy Bizarre. and i can't wait i can't wait to see what it is so what do you guys think of joker being in it do you have any theories as to what he's doing in it also we got a, a super blurred out look are you guys able to extrapolate guess what the look is i have my theories but i want to hear you guys go first so let's start with christian draw on all your comic book knowledge and prognosticate and and tell us what you think did you guys notice the card he's holding by the way the joker card in that that is the exact same joker card that joker holds in batman number one by bob kane and bill finger and if you yes. go back and look at the panel it's the same goddamn card that's so great wait i yeah. was told that zack snyder didn't understand comic books i was about to go there um, mm-hmm. and i'll let you take that one then so i'll let you, t- I'll let you take no, no, that go, go, um, go ahead but uh it, it, it's, it's so st- you know i'm doing this dc rewatch right that, that lupe and i are going to talk about soon um and and i'm up to the modern dcu now so i'll be starting man of steel next but i just you know i went through all the batman movies and there's no reason to go off on this weird tangent so i'll keep it short bro he kills people like michael keaton kills people val Kilmer kills people uh you know george clooney and that shit movie he was killing people um you know but even christian bales you know with his no killing thing a couple people definitely died from you know the the effects of what he did um it's just funny to me that people just want to pick on that one whatever let's not go down that rabbit hole anyway um it looks, you know, one of the things that a lot of people really got upset about. I, see, I'm one of those people that wanted to see a little bit more of Jared Leto's take on Joker. I I found it highly entertaining. And I liked what they were trying to do where he was more of like a gang leader as opposed to this psychopath. I mean, still a psychopath, but he was kind of more like this gang leader, criminal guy. And I, I liked that take because it, it fit a little bit with what Ayer was doing. And it just, it worked for me. And I know a lot of people, that, you know, okay, the tattoos and the damage and everything. That was probably a little overdone. This is blurred, so we're not seeing a lot of it, but it definitely feels more comic booky than the original Jared Leto version that we got in Suicide Squad. This is leaning more into the makeup. It does you can't see if there's tattoos, but it definitely doesn't look like there's as many. He's got the long stringy hair going. At least it seems like he's got that. So I will toss it to Brandon now by saying, I, I gotta be honest, I have zero theories on this. I have no, this goes back to what you said, Lupe, batshit crazy. It's bizarre. I, mm-hmm. I I didn't expect to see this. I didn't expect to see until we got confirmation from Zach himself that Jared Little was coming back. So this is a welcome. This is just, this is great. I, this, mm-hmm. this was something I didn't expect to see. And it's a version of the character that I wanted to see a little bit more of, because I still don't know if I like or hate that version yet. I, mm-hmm. we, we didn't get enough of it, and we got yeah. robbed. So, yeah, yeah uh, just give it to me. But at this point, I have zero theories on this. All right, Brandon, what about you? Uh, so, I mean, I kind of – I didn't really love Leto's Joker in Suicide Squad, mm-hmm. but I also recognized that that movie was hacked to, to bits, and I wasn't getting his actual performance. Um, the tattoos and, and all that really didn't bug me. Um you know, I liked the damaged. I liked the idea that Batman beat his teeth out, which is why he had a grill. I like all those little details. That's that's pretty freaking cool. Um, I actually really like the fan theory that he was Jason Todd and he had survived um, and had become the Joker um, out of his, his looniness. I know I'm probably alone in that, but I thought that was kind of an awesome take. Very much. On a I'm like, Joker. okay. <laughs> um, but... It's obviously it's going to be the same Joker, so don't be surprised if you see at least remnants of the tattoos. But he might be a little bit more messed up. He might have surgically grafted a different face on. He, we might have Leatherface Joker at this point. Mm-hmm. Um, it's hard to tell what's going on, but it's um, you know obviously the Joker card is the same Joker card that was on Batman's gun and BVS in the Nightmare scene. Um, which leads me to believe that this is this shot that we were shown is probably him either giving Batman the card and it's either they get the, the mother box, then Batman goes to try to get the kryptonite and is set up and is killed by Superman. Or this could be after uh, Batman is killed by Superman and Joker comes back with the card and shows everybody, hey, this blood is Batman's blood. He's dead. 
Um, so we have to do what we're going to do now, or this is it. We're done. Um, so I, I think that this nightmare scene is either going to be before the, the first nightmare scene in BVS or directly after, um, setting up that they have, they, there is no more choice, that they have to go back to warn Bruce at that very moment. That's, that's a very good theory, honestly. Like, you really, yeah, 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 yeah. Very, very, very well thought out with evidence. And um, what I'll say about the about Jared Leto's Joker is, is that Jared Leto's Joker was wildly uneven for me. There were instances where I saw glimpses of greatness. And then there are instances where I'm like, this is the worst thing I've ever seen in my entire life. <laughs> you know, um, the, the, the tattoos on the body, I absolutely love. The tattoos on the face... Not a big fan of, but I generally don't like tattoos on the face. But to be sincere, that's a very modern thing that a lot of Gen Zers and Xers or whatever are actually into. Like, modern day, like, gangsters have face tattoos, whether you as a fucking old head (laughs) likes (laughs) or not. So David Ayer was really tapping into something that, you know, was like legitimately true to form because when the Joker first came out, he was a gangster, and those were the undesirables of society in those days where everything was so you know, you look at the Joker as a character and you're like, oh, there's there's nothing, you know, extreme about him. But back in those days, I mean, that was pretty, pretty antisocial and pretty deviant. So um he was he was he's staying true true to form um personally i think that the look jared leto's look as a joker is just absolutely spot on i would just have done away with the grill and the face tattoos and to me that's a pitch perfect joker especially when you see him dressed up in like a tuxedo or a suit it just even the 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 purple trench coat looks fantastic as well so um my my thought always was I want to see someone else direct him because I think that David Ayer may have given him a bit too much rope, too much leeway because I was doing a lot of experimentation. And you can see that sometimes it worked, sometimes it didn't. So I'm really curious to see how Zach directs him because Zach is a fantastic director. I tell you, a lot of people don't give him his credit, but the way he directs, actors i always feel like he draws out the best performances that they could ever deliver and i could just name names and just look at his movies and 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 what he gets people to deliver on screen so i'm really curious to see a different director direct the same actor and the same character and see how much of a difference or how little there is in terms of the costume uh looks at first, I was thinking that, yes, it could be leather face. It could be wearing someone else's face. Um, but also, if you look at the hand holding the card, it's a surgical glove. And also, under the neck, you can see a surgical mask. Or it's a type of mask that, you know, we wear these days, you know, for coronavirus. Maybe so they still I'm have thinking, COVID in that time. Yeah. So, yeah. <laughs> so I'm thinking that it's... Uh, he has this... His costume is like a, a nurse's, like a doctor's costume or whatever. Um, it's going to be creepy as hell. It's going to be, it's going to be so creepy. <laughs> and that's the thing about the Joker as a character. He adds that X factor into the proceedings. And it's just going to be... It's a different energy that he brings to, to the Justice League. The, that wild card. Like, neither a villain nor you know, a friend. Um, and I'm really excited about that. My theory is that it's obviously it's a nightmare sequence. I think that that bit of speculation is is pretty spot on. And I just think that in a world where Dark Side has conquered all, even old uh, feuds have to be have to be buried. And new allegiances have to be formed. So I, I I can see, you know, the Joker, Deathstroke, 
Batman, Flash, and Cyborg, and Mira working together to get Flash back to the past to warn mm-hmm. Bruce at the correct time. And I'm thinking of a fun thing that I was thinking could be done would be something like the Joker stole a mother box. It's the kind of thing that only he <laughs> would be able to do. Yeah. <laughs> Show up with a mother box and Bruce is like, how did you get that? And it's like, you know, I, I got tricks up my sleeve. What can I say? <laughs> um, so so that's 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 my my theory and my theory is that that's going to be the end of the movie. It's going to be the epilogue. The movie's going to end in a cliffhanger and everybody in fandom everywhere is going to be on WB's neck. Like where is our sequel already? <laughs> and that's how we restore the Snyderverse. So that's uh, those are our topics for the day. Um, I think we did a good job discussing all of them. Um, do you guys have any last words in terms of you know the Snyder is coming and you know uh, Christian? Do you have any last words before we say my goodbye? Only, my only last words are bring it on. I mean, at this point, I'm ready to see it. I and you know I'm a latecomer to the movement, as we said, but obviously an old school comic book fan. So yeah, I, I just want to see it at this point. So uh, I'm uh-huh. looking forward to this. Brandon, any last words? Uh, it's pretty much the same. I'm, I'm stoked. I'm, I'm channeling the that middle point where I, I don't want to know much more than I already know now. <laughs> um, although at four hours long, we've barely seen a fraction of what's going to be in this movie. But man, I'm, I'm taking the day off that day, and I'm not <laughs> talking to anybody, and I'm turning off my phone, <laughs> and I'm excited. Nice. Yeah, same. I'm 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 so I'm so excited. Um, we're gonna get a trailer in for about ten days, so I hope I hope we're we're all excited about that. On a personal note, I've been working on a fan trailer, um, and there's gonna be a little event on Super Bowl Sunday where you know there's gonna be a bunch of fan trailers, and we're gonna tweet and just have fun and just you know uh, have a little bit of fun in anticipation of the actual trailer. So uh, be on the lookout for that. We're going to keep on dropping these Snyder Cup previews. We're going to get into more like previewing the 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 movie itself, and we're going to you know drop them in pretty cool succession. So guys, follow us for the ride. Um, and all right, that's it for the day. Uh, guys, tell our audience where they can find you on social media and say goodbye, Christian. Hey, thanks for today, Lupe. Appreciate it. Everybody, stay safe out there. Stay, stay healthy. You can uh, catch me on Twitter and Instagram at the same place. I'm at chart6363. All right. And Brandon. Now you find me on Twitter at underscore, uh, sorry, at the underscore meatball underscore eight four. Nice. And I've been yours truly, Lupe. You can find me on Twitter at Live Love Lupe. You can also find me on the very social media app at Live Love Lupe. You can find us as a collective, the Film Exiles, on Twitter at The Film Exiles. Pretty easy. Like this video, follow us, subscribe, spread it everywhere. Don't be selfish. Share. And until next time, stay exiled.